Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Delore. This show explores the impacts of commonly used phrases on our world's diverse cultures and how people's use of them shape our perspective on the societies we live within. This week on Metaphorically Speaking, I interview Jamie Lee Apter, professional globetrotter and marketer. She's brought us the phrase, change is mandatory for extraordinary results. And with most of us longing for a change of scenery right now, I'm sure we can all relate. By day, Jamie Lee Abtar flies around the world to investigate the best and hottest places for us to visit. By night, she dons her business jacket and works with tourism brands to help them build marketing campaigns. She is well versed in topics such as diversity, inclusion and community engagement and uses her knowledge around the world to reach chosen audiences better and educate others. Change is a constant in her life. So before we chat to her about the extraordinary results that have come with it, let's take a closer look at this week's idiom. When typing the phrase, change is mandatory for extraordinary results, into any search engine, you'll stumble across countless entries of the phrase accompanied by a picture of a lump of carbon and a sparkling diamond. Here's an extraordinary result. About three billion years ago, deep within the Earth's crust, intense forms of heat and pressure inflicted on carbon atoms, which caused them to crystallize. A deep-seated volcano eruption forced these crystals up to the Earth's surface. This extreme method is how diamonds were formed. For those who dislike change, thinking about the story behind a diamond probably doesn't help. Not many of us like having huge amounts of pressure thrust upon us, nor does a massive volcanic eruption sound any better. But diamonds are the strongest natural occurring material in the world which makes them extraordinary. Hardness is measured on what's called the Mohs scale. At the bottom of the scale we have soft things like talc, midway along materials like steel, but at the top of the scale, the hardest naturally occurring thing known to mankind, diamond. Different types of diamonds are being developed which could see us using them in a whole new way. They're made with low pressure. Methane and hydrogen are taken to just one hundredth of the pressure of our atmosphere and heated until they're as hot as the surface of the sun. This smashes the molecules apart and eventually produces diamonds. The results are tiny crystals which can be formed into some of the most amazing shapes, long, thin wires and large flat plates that can be highly polished until they're see-through like glass. This disk of synthetic diamond is perfectly transparent and so tough that one spacecraft which travelled to Venus had windows made of it. As much as we try to fight change, there's no forgetting that change is constant. The Earth and everything around us is always shifting. Whether the seasons cause the leaves to fall off a tree and then come back in full bloom, 
a butterfly bursting from its cocoon, or even the theory of evolution itself, change is a constant. As much as we think about evolution as something of the past, it's still happening in front of our very eyes. There's a slight arrogance within us humans that we believe this is our final form, forgetting that not only is our environment altering, but we are the ones doing it. For example, Finland is home to a population of tawny owls. These owls vary in colour as they move from one generation to the next. Once completely pale grey, they are now being born with a more reddish-brown hue. Because of rising global temperatures, there is frequently less and less snow in Finland, making a purely pale grey plumage less effective. Winters are milder, forests remain brown, and birds who are adapting to this change are surviving better. This is just one example of how the creatures around us are evolving. A lot of people think evolution on Earth happens a little something like this. A slimy creature crawls out of the ocean, and hundreds of millions of years later, its descendants peel themselves off the sofa wondering how they managed to binge-watch all five seasons of Breaking Bad in less than three days. In other words, evolution is a long, slow process. But it's not always that way. Some species can rapidly adapt to cope with fast-changing environmental conditions, like human encroachment, invasive species, climate change, you know, things that are 100% our fault. Biologists call this high-speed adaptation evolutionary rescue. Though that kind of makes it sound awesome when really it's how some species are able to respond in times of severe population stress. Humans, being part of nature, are built for change too. In fact, science has shown time and time again that people find it impossible to reach a true state of happiness. Why? Well, one reason is because we always look for the next best thing, a change. We are constantly chasing bliss. This idea is called the hedonic treadmill. Here's author Rose Gittens explaining the theory a little further. Well, the hedonic treadmill <coughs> says that we do get satisfaction out of acquiring things, out of pay rises, out of promotions, out of a new car, a new house. But that, uh, the kick that we get from that is actually very brief. It takes us very little time before we get used to the new car or before we acquire an ambition to have an even bigger car. And so that's the hedonic treadmill. You can stay on that forever and just keep pounding away because uh, unless you keep pounding away, that form of happiness will decline. If you would have told me that owls would be evolving to change their feather colouring to suit climate change, I don't think I'd believe you. But it's just incredible to show that, like diamonds, owls change and adapt to pressure. It's worth mentioning that humans do this as well. We adapt, we change, and many of us thrive under pressure. One person who knows about this metaphor all too well is our guest today, Jamie Lee Abtar. Jamie Lee, you have been described as a curator and connector of people and dots. What does that mean? 
<laughs> well, curator, I, I basically organize events, initiatives and campaigns for destinations and brands. It's something I've been doing for as long as I can remember, um, from organizing parties to um, events and big um, stage shows. I've always been really, really passionate about events and curating them. So now through my agency, 2219 Media, we curate events for, you know, tourist boards, to operators and different um, companies who are looking to target the travel and tourism industry. A connector, connector of people and dots, that all comes about from my expansive network that I've built over the year, over the last 12 years, really, here in the UK market and also internationally in the travel and tourism industry. So it's allowed me to be able to see opportunity, get see opportunities and know the right people to connect together to create visibility for our clients, really. Is this something that you staged or something that just happened? It's, that's really interesting. I think I've really, I think I've... I don't think I've staged it <laughs> at all, but it's just mm -hmm. happened naturally. I found a love for planning and organizing events. I, I just absolutely love that. I love bringing people together, making sure you got the right energy and the right vibe. Um, that's the kind of things that I love. And I think it just happened really naturally for me. How does the metaphor change is mandatory for extraordinary results reflect your work ethic? And what does this metaphor mean to you? Hmm, that's interesting. It's a, it's a fantastic, fantastic quote because without change, we do not become or we do not evolve and become the people that we are destined to be really. So it's a really important metaphor for me. I mean, I think in terms of business, um, we've seen COVID and the impact that it's had on the world globally. And having to be adaptable, having to be flexible, being able to pivot um, and be able to, you know, change your normal way of working. And I think that quote, that metaphor, sorry, um, was really important for me during this time because how else do you receive to get the results that you, you want to achieve? I look at it from a person, you look at it from a personal standpoint. Um, and I use this, this kind of analogy of fitness. You know, if you want to get fit, you want to get that beach body um, and all these great things in order to get that to get those extraordinary results you've got to change the way you eat you've got to change the way you you know you the way you exercise you've got to change so much so many different things about you so change is really really crucial if you want to achieve any type of results now you have another metaphor that guided you from childhood and it actually molded you too tell us about it so that is life is a journey, not a destination. And it's such an important metaphor for me um, because it's taught me and it's helped to keep me grounded, particularly because life truly is a journey, not a destination. I think so much of the time we want to get to the end result or we want to see the big picture we want to get to this particular destination but the work the successes the joy the everything is all entwined in the journey of it all you know we have those losses we have those failures um and that teaches us to uh, teaches us and helps us to get to that particular destination I think for me um sometimes you know you get caught up on what you want or you have a plan in terms of how you want um something to materialize itself and it might not necessarily glow in that way <laughs> it doesn't go in that mm -hmm. way 
and it's the journey I think that is so important because you might you might fail you might have a loss you might you know you learn so much in the journey phase that I think is the is the most important part um of um achieving any kind of success versus the the destination of where you're headed can you remember when you first kind of realized that this was going to be uh, something important in your life a very important quote in your life hmm. There were two times, I would say. Um, one, my son was born extremely prematurely at um, St. Peter's Hospital. He was born at like 25 weeks, could fit in the palm of your hands. So every day I would travel to go to see him and I would literally pass this shop window and it had it in the window all the time. Then that was, the, that it was just there. Life is a journey, not a destination. Every morning I would pass this bus, pass this, this, this metaphor in this window. And I'd be like, wow, life is a journey, not a destination. Life is a journey, not, and I would just keep remembering it and seeing it every day and I remember one of a friend that had come to visit me at the hospital and in her postcard she had put at the bottom of it life is a journey not a destination and ever since that moment I've kept that quote really close to my heart um because I think it got me through a really tough time as well um with my son in hospital and you know just being able to be aware that this is not the end result. Like this is not the end of the world. Yes. This is just a part of the journey, um, and you got to keep going because you know life is a journey. <laughs> In a way, it actually links to our metaphor today. You know, changes uh, mandatory for extraordinary results because your son was, of course, extraordinary. In the way he came into this world and you had to make changes to facilitate what happened uh, during that time so it kind of links in a way doesn't it it really does it really does i mean change is such an important part of the journey isn't it you have to, in order and on that journey you evolve and you change and you adapt and you become you know a better version hopefully a better version of yourself so it really it is very it definitely does interlink i'd say now, talking about change over the last year, just over a year now, we've had the COVID-19 pandemic. How have you advised the travel industry about how to work, how to operate during this time? And how do you see the future of travel for the industry and for travelers? Great question. I mean, the travel industry, as we know, was hit um, tremendously hard by the um, pandemic, um, with international travel basically being put on pause for most for most people around the globe. So, for me, and uh, in my kind of tourism, marketing, business development hat on, um, it was a really a wrong consulting clients in terms of pivoting how are you going to pivot in this new season new new season you know the world it's looking like the world is not going to go back <laughs> to being the same way that it was so <laughs> what are those new ways of doing business what are those new ways of speaking to your consumers how do you continue to inspire them and and keep them engaged in conversations with your particular travel brand was very it was a big part of I think um what we were doing during that the pandemic phase um when we look at the future of travel now I think travel will return I mean there is pent-up demand we all are ready to jump on a plane tomorrow <laughs> um and there is the globally saving savings levels are at its all-time high so those are all good positive signs that say that travel will return I think as it returns though we have to have a strong focus on you know and, and consumers will also want 
to have more meaningful holidays, more, you know, that you're not just traveling for the sake of traveling anymore. You know, I think it will be a stronger connection. So more of those authentic experiences, you know, meaningful travel um, will be really important. And I think there should be, there will be a strong focus on um, diversity and diversifying what your travel marketing mix looks like. And, and traditionally travel has, been has been marketed to one kind of homogeneous group if you look in the travel magazines and online and put in a google search and for a luxury traveler one homogeneous group constantly comes up so i think um travel brands will now take a stronger focus on looking at other markets and diversifying who their audience is that they speak to because there are some profitable markets that have been practically ignored over the last few years in the travel industry. But it looks exciting um, in terms of the future for travel. Okay, now I understand why you have been busy presenting and guesting at many seminars uh, and events and of course uh, many webinars you've been kept busy during the pandemic and you've also featured in a number of publications including Forbes. You've also recently been named by Travel Pulse as one of the most influential women in travel. How does that make you feel and what are you working on now? Oh, I'm I'm very I'm very humble. <laughs> I'm a very humble person. So I don't even actually like to talk about these things. If you know me, I just keep it really quiet. Um, I don't really talk about it. But it was a good feeling to know that you were recognized for some for the hard work that you have been doing over the last kind of few years as well. And I think it, it, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? Um, in terms of things that I have coming up that I can talk about right now. Um, <laughs> there are so many different things mm. that a lot of you can't actually say about right now, but uh, I guess one of them would be in the travel. No, my podcast is going to be relaunching in June. Um, really exciting because that's all about sharing what's hot and happening in destinations, and it's going to be geared towards consumers. And we have some really exciting media partners lined up to be a part of that. So that's one of the big things. And I also think through my role at Women and Travel CAC. Um, we'll be launching the diversifying travel marketing toolkit so that's in conjunction with Google um, so working really hard on that to try and just inspire and give the travel industry actionable tips and tricks that they can use um, to reach out to new and engaging diverse audiences really so I think those are the two things I can talk about right now <laughs> okay all right and how do we find out about these things how what are your kind of contact areas um if you want to find everything about me i'd say definitely um you can follow me on instagram at the travel marketeer and when you go to my instagram you can also join my mailing list that way you will get my kind of bi-weekly e-newsletters which would have in like any information on events and things projects and initiatives that we have coming up um so that would be probably the best way you can find me on linkedin as jamie lee avatar and also on facebook as the travel marketeer well i don't know how you find the time to do all of that and have your family as well um my hats off to you uh madam humble and uh i know that i'm going to continue to see you achieving thank you for being with us today Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show, Delia. <laughs>
It was inspiring to hear the level of dedication and patience that Jamie has and how this metaphor has truly shaped her. Now let's return to our metaphor. This idea that all is shifting is nothing new to religion and philosophy. One religion that has included it into its core belief system is Buddhism. In Buddhism, this is known as impermanence. The entire teachings of Buddha are structured around the Four Noble Truths. Here's Stephen Fry explaining these truths. The first Noble Truth of Buddhism is that suffering is an inescapable part of life. The legends say that when Gautama, who later became the Buddha, left his palace, he saw an old man, a diseased man, and a decaying corpse. He realised that our lives include struggle, anguish and pain. The second noble truth is that this suffering stems from the greed, ignorance and hatred that arises in our minds, our craving to avoid the difficulties life throws up. The third noble truth is that we can end all this if we can stop craving and respond differently. Doing so brings nirvana, or awakening, a state of complete wisdom and compassion for all beings. The fourth noble truth is the Buddha's recipe for achieving happiness, virtue and eventually nirvana. It is the eightfold path of developing understanding, positive intentions, skillful speech, action and livelihood, making the right kind of effort, cultivating mindfulness and mastering meditation. So why is impermanence so important? The Buddha taught that the source of human discontent and suffering is the idea that we cling onto the thought that things last forever when they simply can't. But even knowing this, we can still find change hard. As humans, our brains are hardwired to find patterns in things. So when we sense unpredictability, our brains can find it a little difficult to accept. Especially when too many bad surprises happen at once, we start to spiral. It's this impermanence which we should always cling to. The thought that today may be bad, tomorrow less so, and the day after, not at all. Here is a clip of Lama Khandro Rinpoche discussing this message. It's like a bad rumor that just doesn't go away. Is that... Uh, someone started the rumor impermanence is bad news. And then since then we've gotten it in our heads that two things that Buddhism talks about, impermanence and suffering, that these two are something terribly gloomy subjects and so forth. I think we need to think differently. We need to think of impermanence as, therefore, this will also pass. Therefore, the suffering will also pass. Therefore, because there is death, there is rebirth, there is birth. Because this changes, therefore something new can happen. You know, you always have a good start, and that's probably why we celebrate New Year. Is that there's a fresh, you know, nest to a day. It's just a common day. But we take that as a pretext to just celebrate the potential of having another chance. And that's what it is. It's good news. There is a Chinese proverb about an old farmer. It tells of his horse who ran away. His neighbours gather around him to offer their condolences. As they say, 
They're sorry to hear the news, how unfortunate he must be. He replies with a simple, maybe. A few days later, the horse reappears, followed by seven mares. His neighbours return to him again, but to rejoice, of course. They chair at how lucky he must be, to which he again replies with a simple, maybe. The next day, his son, also excited by the news, tries to break in one of the mares. It throws him off, injures him. What terrible luck the neighbours offer again, to which he responds with his typical maybe. After a few more days, several conscription officers visit the village. They approach the farmer's son, but soon assess him as too hurt to join the army. The neighbours rejoice. The father, he responds as usual. The moral of this story is that you never quite know if good will bring bad or if bad will bring good. It's also a great lesson in understanding that the good things in life don't always come to us right away. The horse returned after several days, during which the farmer's son surely felt unlucky for the whole time, only to be surprised with an even better outcome, don't you think? The best things we hope for in life don't present themselves immediately. That promotion you've long waited for takes time because it takes months and months of hard work. Sometimes the position simply hasn't opened up, but you can only be more prepared for it, for when it comes. A single change is fleeting. It's not like we remember most of them anyway. What we should remember is that nothing is fixed, and so goodness is always waiting for us, up ahead. Be it from attempting to break in a horse to owls changing to climate change, this episode has been full of all kinds of wonderful stories and facts. The metaphor change is mandatory for extraordinary results churns up so many amazing and unique talking points. If you feel stuck in a rut or don't know where to go next, make that jump into the unknown. Push yourself as an individual and remember that change can only be for the better. If you don't do anything, Nothing's going to change, right? It's just going to stay the same way. Here's another expression that I know you know too well. Rome wasn't built in a day. Thank you to our guest this week, Jamie Lee Abtar. It's been amazing to hear her story and how this metaphor has affected her life. If you want advice on travel or a journey, she is definitely the woman for you. Find her on Google. Don't forget, if you'd like to suggest a metaphor for an upcoming show, you can reach us at msdelia at deliadelore.com and we'd love you to share the show with your friends or leave a review on colorful.com or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which is on Apple, Spotify and all major streaming platforms. We depend on you to help us grow so we can produce the best content for you to enjoy. Join us for another metaphor next week. I'm Delia Delore. Keep safe. Till next week. Goodbye.